Blog Talk Radio. first time to Mama's Pearls listening in on our show. Welcome. We're happy that you found us. And just to give you a little bit of perspective of what Mama's Pearls or the Mama's Pearls brand is, is basically we start our conversation on Facebook, usually during, you know, in the beginning of the week. Then I post the Mama's Pearls blog, usually on Tuesdays followed by the show, which you are listening to now and is hosted typically on Wednesdays. And then my best friend, Melissa, who I've known since I was 11 years old, she follows up with M's Gems, which is usually posted on Fridays. All of our blog postings can be found at www.mamaspearls.com. And there you can also find lots more information and insight into who we are. And at its core, Mama's Pearls is really a family brand. And we have a forum here with Mama's Pearls and through the community and through our online actions where we really work to together to string the beautiful pieces of life together. So many people are parents and are working and just trying to find a space where they can process out their thoughts. And my hope and intention is to create a space for that to happen. We are all churning out so much in our minds, and we have so many different obligations and responsibilities, 10 times fold what our parents have had to deal with when they were growing up, 20 times more what our grandparents had when they were growing up, or at least it seems that way to us because we're the ones living living, living through it in the now. And each stage that we move in has a different level of responsibility and challenges that we, you know, that we should really address in order to, to perfect that and master that stage and move on to the next. And so here at Mama's Pearls, we're working together and bringing in, um, bringing in experts and guides to help us process that. So welcome, and you are welcome to call into the show, the live show, if you're listening now, at um, the call-in number is 347-327-9450, and you can also find me on Twitter at SinTweet. Now, last week was so fun. We are basically this month we're focusing on the fathers and the men and the masculine energy in our lives and really acknowledging the many different roles that our men play and the crucial role that, that men play, not just with women to deliver the seed and then we go make babies, but this is really an equal partnership and where we all come into our true power is when everybody can stand on their own and be happy in the role and in the space that they possess. And with this month, I'm really honoring Father's Day that is coming up this weekend, and I wish all the fathers out there a very happy Father's Day. But whether or not you are a biological father, um, I still want to acknowledge your role in society of holding the masculine space. And we've been discovering the many roles this month on Mama's Pearl, starting with my dad and Alpha Lion and really being the king of your jungle and what does that truly mean. And moving on to last week, we were talking about the roles of fathers as mentors and particularly as coaches and athletics because I remember so many times being um, be, not being the son that my dad wanted but being a total tomboy that I would step out and have instead of father-son throwing the ball it would be my dad, dad and I outside playing sports and throwing the ball and I really pursued a lot of sports when I was in um, 
primarily in high school when I kind of dropped the ball when I got into college, but um, but I'm very grateful for the experience that I did have both on the volleyball court and in the softball field and on the tennis court when I was younger. And my dad was a coach to me personally, but then I've had so many wonderful coaches and we had a really great coach on last week who you can just tell was so passionate about what he does. And his name is Coach Joe Maniscalco. He's also an attorney. He's an attorney by day. He has the um, the great fortune of having had four girls. So his desire to actually want to have like his own little softball team of boys trans- translated into having a family of all girls. And yet, miraculously, his girls seem to be, they're all of different ages, but his older girls, at least, have all taken to the sport of softball. So he's really devoted his time to help coaching coaching them and their peers and absolutely loves it and you can tell he's such a heavy hitter and totally true to his um, to his passion which is to be be an athlete and to be in, in that environment and to support and encourage young women um, in their in their game and to how to improve their game consistently and we really got into talking about the different coaching philosophies that um, that are taken with you onto the field and that I believe in that you know that speaking from my experience that I carry with me even through the day and his main coaching philosophy is to ask his girls are we better today than we were yesterday he doesn't necessarily believe in that winning is everything. In fact, that's the that's probably the furthest thing furthest thing on his mind is is the winning and and the end game and the brass ring. But really focusing on the journey, like another belated, like well, not another belated, but like the belated um, and beloved coach John Wooden who coached UCLA basketballs back in the 70s and to this day is honored as one, being one of the best coaches ever in college basketball. And what really makes for a true coach? And I was talking about my personal experiences and how I see is that a really tr- great true coach can both know, set their own personal ego aside about attaching to their team their team winning, and really recognize each individual player's, their strengths and their weaknesses, as well as collectively how the team plays and put a goal to to where the team needs to go. And you both instruct the individual player as well as the collective collective team. So it was such a pleasure having Coach Joe on the show, and I'm sure we'll be hearing again um, hearing again hearing from him again as we go on here at Mama's Pearls and he has definitely won me over and I'm a big cheerleader and of Coach Joe's so invite you all to tune into the archives on the Put Me In Coach show which was last week and the pearl of the week was glory days await because I do believe that our best days have yet to come and that we're all still being coached as to work out our kinks and to adjust our our stance so we can hit the ball out of the park time and time again. And you're also going to want to catch M's Gems takeaways from the week, which includes setting goals for your team, encouraging mistakes, praising effort, and most importantly, with anything that you do, you need to enjoy what you're doing. If you find that your kids aren't taking to a certain sport, try them in another sport and see how they do. Now, I want to switch gears into talking this week about another, probably the most important role, or at least we place a value of super importance on the role of a father and the men, which is the traditional role of the men being the hunters and going out into the work world and being the primary breadwinners for their families. And so many men really struggle with the with that responsibility. Many of them wind up cracking under pressure. And I'm going to argue that it's not just the men, but it's absolutely women also. But as women, we kind of because we're still kind of relatively new to the to the workforce and most of us just kind of charge down the path in the workforce as men would do or as we think men would do. You know we're 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 a different we're a different animal, but I think even still the main pressure to provide for the family still lies with with within the man. 
and it's the man's role to bring home the bacon, as we say. So we're going to dive into that topic today on this week's show, which is called Jungle Gym. The pearl of the week this week is Beyond Bacon, and it's a little bit play of my my very special guest's book, which is called Beyond Success, Redefining the Meaning of Meaning of Prosperity. And let me just back up and tell you all a little bit about our special guest. Our special guest's name is Jeffrey Gitterman. I call him Jeff. And I met him, I don't know, quite a few years ago already when I was speaking on a panel, and he was speaking on a, a panel that was after me in like an all-day event hosted by Good News Broadcast here in, um, in Manhattan. And I remember listening to him, and I was just like, I just liked him. And I walked right up to him after he, he spoke, and I just went up to him, and I was like, I like you. And he just looked at me, and I was like, I, I like you. <laughs> like, I, just, I just like him. And you're going to find out, find out why on, um, on Mama's Pearls today. And as I got to know him, he's laughing in the background, but as I got to know him over the years, it kind of pieced together and reinforced why I like him so much. And first of all, he's probably one of the calmest people you'll ever meet, even when he's in crisis. He's so extremely calm and poised and mellow, and he's got a lot going on. He's got himself, he's got a ton of kids, one child of which was diagnosed with autism, and instead of freaking out and running from the hills, he does what he always does, is approach it calmly. He looks at what he, what he can do to apply his, his knowledge, his resources, and skills, and is now one of the foremost, um, foremost speakers and fundraisers for, for autism. And he's been through a lot in his own personal life of having lived a life, well, I would say his, his prior, his younger life, where he was not thrilled with what he was doing. He was charged with bringing home the bacon. He works as an insurance salesman. He trudged out into the field. He was in debt, and he turned himself around and really looked in the mirror and said, okay, Jeff, who are you and what do you really want to be doing? Cut to where he is now. Years later, obviously a ton of work and effort going into into his development, and he has a published book. He speaks around around the country to to different educators and corporations on his four pillars, mainly his four pillars, but really about everything that he he stands for um, that are set forth in his book Beyond Success. He he founded an organization and consulting company called Beyond. Cons Beyond Success that does training on the pillars, and he's also the founder and CEO of Gitterman and Associates, which is a full-service financial firm. So Jeff, basically, he's also he started doing his own Beyond Success radio show, which I'll talk to him about separately. But Jeff, to me, is someone who epitomizes <coughs> epitomizes success in such an authentic way. And yeah, you could argue because he, he has he has built his own wealth that everything else is easy, but I assure you the process was not easy for Jeff and was just as hard for Jeff as anybody else in this world. And we're gonna hear a little bit more about him and you're gonna see why I like this guy so much. So Jeff, are you with us? I am. <laughs> Hello Hi, Mama. and welcome. Hi. Do I call you Mama on the show? <laughs> Mommy, whatever you'd like. <laughs> Mama works just fine. Okay. So welcome, and Thank you. I, you know, I, over the years that I that I've known you, like we've grown to be really close friends, and you know, I consider you as one of my my personal advisors, and I hope that I've I help you in some way too. Absolutely. But it's but but. What I really feel that people need to understand, and we talk about this all the time just from a spiritual perspective, and you're one of the few people I know who are out there that feel really, um, really strongly about merging spirituality and capitalize, cap, capitalism and the financial world, that there is such a thing as spiritual capitalism out there, and it's not two separate things. But how do we fuse that within ourselves, and how have you come to really walk your talk? Well, 
you know, I've been thinking about this a lot, especially over the last <clears throat> year, and as I speak about the book uh, in different places, is just what what is the underlying theme in my own life that puts the perspective that I have in place? Like, where does it really uh, originate from, and where does it come from? And I think it really just comes from this belief that I had very, very early on in childhood that I chose to be here. And this wasn't a odd spiritual experience. It wasn't any kind of memory that I had chosen to be here. It wasn't any memory of somewhere of being before being here as a, as a small child. It was just this unbelievable confidence in the belief that somewhere along the line I had made a decision to be here. And I, I mean, I don't even know. Maybe it's a control thing. Maybe I just didn't want to think that I was just randomly, you know, wound up in some place and had to deal with it. So, because I did have a, a bit of a rough childhood, but I just really firmly have believed from as early as I can remember that I somewhere along the line made a conscious decision to be here. And and if I did, then it must have been to learn something. So I've just viewed life. And, and everything in it as one big classroom that I signed up for. So, you know, it would be like signing up for biology in college and then three weeks in saying, what do you mean we have homework? You know, I mean, obviously there's going to be homework in biology class. So, so I just kind of take everything that comes. And I'm not saying that things don't upset me at all, but even things that upset me, I take them and say, okay, Obviously, somewhere along the line, I wanted this experience, so what can I learn from this experience? What is the best that I can take from this experience to improve me? And and maybe if I keep doing that and I keep improving me, maybe I can have some impression on the world and maybe I can improve, you know, at least my corner of the world a little bit. So your corner of the world seems to be expanding, and one of the things that I really want to focus on and convey to our listeners is how you've transformed your own thinking to really merge what you believed was your your reason for being here with your um, with your success. I mean, how did you get from point A to point B? Or so, point B? You know, it's weird because I. <laughs> I actually I actually know the the moment that things changed from a business perspective at least and and I talk about it in the book but I I realized in in a meeting with a, a individual who I don't even remember his name or who he was but we were speaking about neurolinguistic programming which is really just how you pattern information and memories in in your head and then filter new information based on the existing patterns but anyway it's a whole other topic. In that meeting, yeah, I, I just yeah, I, I forgot to say in the intro that you're a total a total nerd, <laughs> <laughs> and that you love all the philo- philosophical questions and oh, sciences. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, anything brain or or religion or yeah, definitely. I'm yeah. I'm a cool nerd though. I like to think you're a total cool nerd <laughs> like me. I'm a total dork. Right. <laughs> so. Somehow I realized in that meeting, through a little bit of help of this gentleman, that I was living my life based on my father yelling at me. And and that was the beginning of, of everything changing because, you know, that's how I grew up my whole life. I grew up with my dad yelling at me and everything that I did as a child or thought about or acted on was in direct relationship to the fact that my father would be yelling at me about it. So I... I apparently hadn't left that behind and I was out in the business world and I was hiding, you know, and playing very meek and average and and I was doing that because I was still living my life based on the fact that at any moment I still believed subconsciously that my dad would be yelling at me. And when I realized that, I realized that it was my life that I was wasting based on that old pattern. And in that moment, I vowed to do everything I could to contribute to my life. And and I have to admit, at that moment, it was a bit of a self-centered view. So for, from that period of time, from 1997 to 2000, I went from being mediocre and average 
to making more money than probably, you know, I was probably making more money in a year than my father ever made combined in his whole entire life. And got the big house and the nice car and I got everything. And that went from, you know, in literally in two and a half years from being unbelievably in debt and having bill collectors call and hiding my car because the repo guys were looking for it at night. So in two and a half years, I went from that to having pretty much everything I thought I ever wanted and then found out that I still wasn't happy. So I, I did this two and a half year get rich kind of quick thing and then realized that it didn't give me any meaning and it didn't provide me any fulfillment or happiness. And I went back to my beliefs as a child and I, I really went back and looked at who was I before my father and, and the world had an impact on me. And, and I came to some, I think, great truths about life in general. I don't think they're unique. I think the only thing really that's unique about my book is that I put them all together. I think there's tons of books on each topic that I write about, but I think to put it together in a in a really clear, concise program and bring all four aspects of your life into one place was just the only unique thing that I did. But but anyway, I realized that as a child, you're this just you know you're just this creative being. You you just want to use your energy and and let it play out on the world. You know you're not thinking about the future. You're not thinking about the past. You're not worried. You're just letting the creative energy of the universe flow through you and out onto the kind of screen that is the world, the movie screen that we play on. And and that right. became the foundation. Right. And you talk about that a lot about, um, about and you always ask me that question, like what does the movie of your life look like? And envisioning yourself as you want yourself, you know, totally expanded, having the house that you want, having the things that you want, but also being who you want to be. And I think that's a a really core element to all the work that you do with Beyond Success is about having people really strip strip themselves down so they can get to know that person who's their core. And we talk about this on Mama's Pearls all the time is like you get to a point where you start filtering out and seeing and separating out what was projected onto you from your family and what is really left that's you. You know, your voice is there. Your your presence is there. And I see that with my own balance with my children of not wanting to get too much into their space and it's that constant seesaw about letting their own expression, which I know is one of their your pillars in your in your book, is for each person to find their unique expression of letting my children's ex- expression totally come out without my influence. And that's not easy. No, it's not because you know we just heap other people and the world's expectations on ourselves, and we allow those expectations to become a big part of who we are. Unfortunately, and, and one of the big things that I've learned over the past couple of years in working with people around the movie is that when someone gets a real clear image of themselves in the future, of how they'd like to be playing really big in the world, you know, allowing their creative expression to flow into the world in as big a way as possible, what we've learned is that it's them without the fear. You know, when you strip away the movie and say, who who are you? What is different about you in the movie than you now? What it comes down to over and over and over again over the past couple of years that we've been doing this is that it's me operating in the world without any fear. And and that's a huge shift because, you know, most people, whether they really have looked at it or not, are not operating in the world that way. They're, they're especially right now. And, and I think this is so key to talk about right now because I think right now people are exceptionally fearful. I mean, I, I talk to like very, very, very intelligent business people who a lot of them think the end of the world might be coming. You know, the the whole right. 2012 Mayan thing, the volcanoes, the oil spill, the financial crisis, the, the incredible up and down swings of the markets. I mean, really intelligent, smart capitalist business people are very fearful right now. Well, my ultimate question with that is 
And the thing that I keep thinking, okay, so what does that mean, the end of the world? Is it just the end of the world as we know it, where the capitalist system breaks down and all that kind of thing? And, you know, the people that I've been speaking to just sees it as a, the dawn of a new awakening of consciousness. So is that a lot to be afraid of? Sure. You know, who likes change? We're so used to where we set up the rat race and, you know, our matrix system of corporate America where we go out and we turn on the hamster wheel and we get enough to, to, to feed our family, but it leaves you going back for more because you always need more. It's like the system of lack and fear that keeps us, keeps us tied to it. And, you know, the practicality is about whether you can provide for, for your family on a daily basis. And we kind of, um, we're very short-sighted in our in our thinking with that as far as, you know, what am I doing today? Does that get me through the weekend rather than does it help who I'm going to be or is it going to repress who I'm going to be when, you know, 2012 hits or five years down the road or 10 years down the road? And I think, like, you know, the whole concept of, if there is this end in sight, you know, there really is an end, end game of 2012, like, what's the point? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to give to my historical frame of reference for people of, of <laughs> what I think is the best comparison to what might be coming, okay? So sure. uh, imagine... Sure, nerdy Jeff. What? <laughs> sure, nerdy Jeff. <laughs> So imagine that you're living around the time of, you know, old Spain and, and Italy when they were ruling the world and, and people believed that the world was flat. And somebody came along and said, no, no, the world's not flat, it's it's round. And, and I'm going to put you on a ship and I'm going to prove to you that the world is round. And You've got a captain on the ship who believes that the world is round, and you've got a crew on the ship that believes that the world is flat. And this is two different perspectives, so it's the same world. Nothing's changed at all on the world or on the planet. Same world, but two such different perspectives of the world. And the people that believe the world is flat, for all intents and purposes, the world is flat to them. I mean, you you can say that the world is round, but it doesn't matter. Their reality is that the world is flat. And and as that boat is sailing towards the horizon and their fear is escalating that they're going to fall off the end of the planet into, you know, Hades and Pluto and all those gods and everything that are down in the underworld, these people will probably jump off the boat and wind up killing themselves rather than face their fear of the future and the change that is coming, that they're mentally ill-prepared for because their perspective is not big enough. And what I would say is that we are going to, because the world goes through this change numerous times over the last 15,000 years, the axial age where we went from monotheistic, I mean, we went from multiple gods to monotheistic to one god, was as big a change. I mean, that's a huge perspective. You know, one god up in the sky versus tree fairies and rock gods and mountain gods. I mean, that, that's a huge shift. And and for the people that lived, that believed in multiple gods, they believe me. When it thundered, it was God yelling at them. And, and, and when it lightning, it was God sending lightning bolts at them. I mean, it, their reality was that perspective. So if we're now coming to a point where some people are gathering this perspective that your idea of the future and what you believe is enough to form your future and you own that perspective versus somebody that doesn't own that perspective, it changes everything. I mean, that's a game changer for for everybody. Uh, If you believe that you can form your future out of your beliefs, and what you really think about and believe mostly, and that that is really creating your reality as you see it, then then that is a huge game changer. And for people that have that perspective, it, they will go forward in a different manner than people that just believe that the world throws them around and that they're victims of the world. Well, I think that it, it translates to two very... Um, 
essential elements also in terms of your viewpoint, which is, you know, why do we work? You know, the essential question is, why do we work? What defines success for us? And is it just a means to an end? Basically, I go out, I get my paycheck, I come home, feed my family, send them, send my kids to school, pay for their parties, pay for this, et cetera, et cetera. Or is it coupled with something a little bit deeper? Is it so, as you say, that I can fully be present in the world in a larger way? And what does that mean? I mean, I, you said it also in the beginning that, you know, that your quick rags, rags to riches story was in a race to get things. Um, and it's not just about the things, then, then what is it about and how can we deconstruct someone's, you know, beliefs that the world is flat to believing that they are a holistic person and that you can move forward and marry what you're doing um, with what you love and having that be successful? Is that a question? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was just, you were lulling me. Big, big, or it's just a big lumpy ball and I'm just throwing it in your court. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think, it's, I think it's the combination of what I talked about earlier. It's a combination of having faith that there's a bigger picture and that you're here to serve that bigger picture and knowing that your expression means something in every aspect of your life, that your expression with your family and who you are and in the workplace, that, that it means something to the future of the world, that it's not well, just I, about I you and what you can on, get. Yeah, but I always, I always get caught on the do what you love and the money will follow. And I think that's great, and I, I have basically adhered to that in my law practice with really working with within the genre of spiritual entertainment. And now I'm transferring over to, you know, to Mama's Pearls, and this is my, my unique expression into the world of holding this space and this forum for, for parents and for people. And, but where I get caught is, and I think everybody else gets caught is, okay, do what you love and the money will follow, but when? The time that it takes to wait for the the true brilliance to to happen or even though you know I see my brilliance happening every day with mama's pearls but um but where it's it where it's equated to a revenue stream where you know that makes it substantial or worthwhile to people logically um that could be a really long long delay so how do you coach people through that that waiting phase really so, I mean, here, here's the problem. The problem is that there's a fear that has to be overcome. And the fear is tied, I'm going to go back to what I just said, the fear is tied to a, a lack of faith, typically. And, and let me explain before, because I, I, this is always where I get, especially from very spiritual people, this is always where I get the argument. That the, I meet spiritual people all the time who are doing what they love to do and making no money. And they have an incredible amount of faith in spirit. But they have no amount of faith that spirit infuses the world that we live in in a connected way. Just as capitalists in a lot of ways have separated spirit from their world, spiritual people have separated the world from where they like to live. And... And I, I go through this over and over and over again in my coaching with spiritual people that they can't take that deep faith that they have in spirit and really apply that faith to the world. Or, better said, I guess, would be they can't see the world and spirit as one. They, they see the world and spirit as two separate things. And so do the capitalists. They also see the world but from their perspective, the world is more important, and they operate in the world and navigate through the world better. And from spiritual people's perspective, spirit is more important, and the world is secondary. And what I've been put on this planet to teach is that it's all one. There is no duality. There is no separation. And until...
spiritual people can see the world as spirit and capitalists can see the world as spirit, we will ha be having this, this battle between these two sides that rages on. And I, I get that as far as syncing up, but I think the, where the lack comes in is, a, is the buzzword of monetization. You know, yeah, I but, could have all the faith in the world, but not know how to, you know, but still not be able to rub two cents together. And, you know, I'm going to tell my landlord or my, my, my mortgage holder at the bank, well, you know, I don't have to pay you <laughs> yeah, but, because but, I'm doing my work in the world and that should be good enough. I'm supposed to write you an IOU. You know, no, like we still live in a very constructed world. And I can't believe I'm actually the one who's saying this because, you know, money is usually the further, furthest thing from my mind, but it's in the forefront of everybody else's mind. But but here's here's the thing, right? So we're, we're going back to what is your perspective? And, and my perspective is that we create our world. And my perspective is that we are spirit. And if we are spirit creating our world, then there is no lack at all and what i'm saying is you're looking at it from one side i'm looking at it from the other what i'm saying is that there is no lack because i don't perceive there to be any lack there 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 is you know and you and, you, you you landlord lady are not lacking my rent because there is no rent to lack <laughs> i mean that that how does that fly well, because, but, but hold on, it's what came first, the chicken or the egg. So my question to you is, do you believe in lack and therefore lack faith, or does lack exist and that's challenging your faith? It's basically a what comes first. And, and what I'm saying is that the perspective that's coming and what's shifting in the world is that my perspective is that this world is created by me, and if this world is created by me and I am spirit, then there is no lack and there can never be any lack. And, and what no. you're saying is that because there's people lacking in the world who can't pay their bills, I mean, this is a very touchy, very sore point. Very what, what touchy. You're, yeah, what, what I you're mean, saying... I think also, like, the last two years with the financial crisis has, you know, stripped people down to such a core core raw level where people are day in and day out making a conscious choice about whether to, you know, the difference of whether to spend an extra day at work because they don't have, you know, and, and yeah, that, that absolutely comes from lack, but it's a reality for, for them. And, you yeah, know, but when, when, when you, I, I just want to create a relative value statement here when, when you if you travel around the world outside of the metropolitan area so you yeah. go other places in the u.s or let's go africa mozambique darfur there's places where their perception of lack blows away our perception of absolutely. lack. absolutely absolutely and i'll be the first to to remind everybody of that that yes we don't have to walk a mile to go get clean water or firewood or make our our grain and bread from scratch so absolutely and not, and not only that but in this area at least many of us have parental structures and support structures that wouldn't allow us to starve true Okay, so let's just start there as a basis. So, so let's go back to 1400s, and and some people are sitting around and saying the world is round, and some people are sitting around and saying the world is flat. Well, who who was it that proved that the world was round? It wasn't the lower end income people living in Spain and Italy who had the money and the free time to get on the ship and travel across the ocean because they were starving and struggling for their daily life and bread every day, and that's what they were 100% occupied with. And then there were some people who had the ability and wherewithal and free time and support structure and, and, and lived in the right you know, social circles to be able to spend frivolous time sailing their boat across the ocean and discover something that radically changed the world. And what I'm saying in my book, and the reason it's called Beyond Success, is because the only people that have 
the time or ability to really prove out and put the energy into what we're talking about from my side of the perspective is people that aren't dealing with the incredible difficulty of, of trying to meet your daily bread right. and, and find shelter tonight because you, you don't have shelter tonight. You know, so and then what I'm saying from my perspective is that I was born for some reason with an incredible amount of faith. My faith in spirit as playing in the world, which is different. I'm not saying it's better or anything else. It's just different than someone who has an incredible amount of faith in spirit but thinks that they were an accident that happened on the world. And, and for some reason, there are many, many deeply spiritual people that would like nothing else but to get off this planet. So I, 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 I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's true. They'll be the first to hitch a ride with the aliens when they right, come. Right, right, exactly. So right. I, have this, I have this perspective that says that, no, we are spirit. We are here, and there's a reason we're here, and we're supposed to play out our, our contradiction between fear and faith is supposed to be played out here. And if it's going to be played out here, then it's got to be played out the way that I'm saying it. It's got to be where I start understanding that spirit is this expression playing out, that I am spirit, that I can't lack anything at all, and how can I embody that? Because we're talking about it intellectually, and you're having a conversation with me about it intellectually that's totally different than actually waking up tomorrow morning and having zero fear that your sustained life on this planet is so governed by spirit that there is nothing to fear and nothing to worry about. Not the landlord, not cancer, not the IRS, nothing. To, to embody that perspective would be you in the movie as you've played yourself, and I know you have, it would be how you picture yourself in the movie. And what I'm saying is that we're at a time in the world where what's going to change is you're going to pull that image of you in the movie into the present, and you're going to become that person with no fear because your faith is so strong, and it's connected to your body playing out whatever it's supposed to play out in this world right now. Right. And I and I thank you for for putting that into the space as a as a reassurance for a lot of people who are listening and have come to this have come to this conversation with a whole host of um preconceived fears. And what I might suggest also is that if you were playing a movie in your head that was riddled with fear, it's okay to leave it on the cutting room floor, which my my movie, you know, three years ago looked a lot different than my movie currently does now. And I have been okay and done a lot of work around leaving my old image um, movie on the cutting room floor to be able to really envision and picture um, a new movie that I see as being me and my next incarnated self, um, which is my present and my future from learning from my past. So I'm just going to um, invite our listeners to take a moment with that and to reflect on their movie, honor that, and then you know get out the storyboard and start anew. Now, when we're creating this new movie, a lot of what I'm hearing and from reading in your in your book, Jeff, is talking about a new currency that we so often take for granted and just kind of overlook, and that is of your attention. Can you talk a little bit about what you mean by that? Because when I think of currency, when people think of currency, I think of dollars, euros, pesos, yen. Um, I don't necessarily think of how that translates into my my attention. So, you know, we, we talk about energy a lot, and, and what we don't talk about is really how we control that energy. So it's common for us all to talk about energy these days, but what I talk about is that your attention, and, and your attention is your focused energy, what you're doing with your attention and whether or not you have control of your attention 
and how you spend that, save that, invest that, give that away is really the undercurrent of what money represents. That, that, that money is just a surfaced material representation of your attention. It's why we say you have to pay attention. It's why there's a, a, a connection like that is made in language because we pay our, with our energy and money is just a, a physical representation of energy. We, we pay with our attention all the time, um, and we spend our attention. And it's why corporations spend billions of dollars basically trying to capture our attention, whether it's through the Internet or through commercials or advertising or media. Uh, it's all because if they get our attention, then we will actually spend our money their way. So what I advocate in the book is, and the four pillars really are, is a four-step process for recapturing your attention. So it's like a financial plan for your attention and, and understanding how to save it, invest it, spend it, and, and donate it in, in ways that are profitable to you and the planet. And the immediate image that, that I get when you talk about the, the corporations clamoring for your attention is of with your kids. I know when I get too busy and wrapped up in work and I work from home, my kids come, come in and they try all sorts of tricks for me to give them attention. And it's the same thing when you're applying it to, quote, your work world or expressing yourself in this world is to really focus on what deserves your attention and what doesn't. And I like how you, you put it as, as far as doing a financial plan for your attention because ultimately when we're viewing success in finance, finances and when you say that money is the is the surface value of your expression and where your attention is going. I think that's why, like, my husband loves to do accounting because he's nosy. You know, I come, I come from the, from the gossip, gossip part of being a lawyer, so I get the dirt that way, but he can look at your credit card bill and, t and know your whole story about who you are, what you value, and where you've been. <laughs> So, and I think it's it's very very telling if people did start with those simple steps about reviewing like your financial statements over over the past year and seeing where your attention has been. Has it been just in a retail store, or were you at spending it on your kids, or you know where was your attention going, and then doing like a mirror assessment of are you happy? You know, how do you keep it where you are spending attention in ways that's going to keep you happy? Well, I mean, first we have to decide what happy is, but the way we measure happy in the book is that you're using your creative expression in service to the world. And when you're doing that the majority of the time, when, when that when when the focus of your attention is a bigger and bigger expression of your creativeness, of your unique creativeness in service to the world, then it breeds what we would call happiness or or success. Uh, it just it and just. You're not the only one who says that. Aristotle has said that, and I was completely amazed when I when I even tapped tapped a simple inquiry about, you know, work and men um, into Google about how much information came up and how many just endless, endless quotes there were about from all different men, from all different shapes of life, from philosophers to, to entrepreneurs, from rags to riches stories that were out there really saying the core elements of what you're saying and um, about seeking happiness is, you know, in, in terms of achieving true success is through service of others, which is Aristotle, or Johnny Carson, who said, never continue in a job you don't enjoy. If you're happy in what you're doing, you'll like yourself. You'll have inner peace. And if you have that along with physical health, you will have more success than you could possibly have imagined. And Amen. Yeah, and I think it's just a matter um, from what you're saying is, you know, what what we're trying to accomplish is is not really new. It's just it's really getting back to basics of what 
you know, I remember my parents telling me, and somewhere along the way, you know, people have heard it from their parents about, um, you know, we just want you to do what makes you happy. You can be anything that you can be. You can have your happiness. You can pursue everything and, and do whatever you want. And I know I want to honor that and actually really mean it for my kids when they're growing up in the world and figuring out how to express themselves in a way that's truly going to keep them happy and successful and fruitful, whatever that means means to them. And there's, yeah. The, the only problem that I have with that generalization that yeah. we've given, that, that, that baby boomers have given their kids, and, and unfortunately we continue to, to do in this country, although in Europe they're very different, is that it's not really true. It, it, it's true that it's true that if you find your unique creative expression and do everything you can to share it in the world, that you can be happy. But it's not true that you could be anything and be happy. And and baby boomers have told their kids that, and we've built a whole entire generation of kids coming out of college today that are so paralyzed and can't pick a direction because they've been told their whole life that they can be anything and they could be great at anything. And we've literally, I mean, believe me, I interview them all the time and I talk to plenty of other corporate leaders who are so distressed at the resiliency, the lack of resiliency of kids coming out of college today that, that it's it's just horrible. Like Like kids who are told no by their boss for the first time they've ever heard the word and break down crying at work because these kids have incredible amounts of self-esteem and there's a lot of studies being written about this right now. These kids have an incredible amount of self-esteem. I mean, you got a trophy for showing up at Little League for doing nothing even if you sat on the bench and your team was a losing team. And you were told your whole life you can be anything and do anything. And here you are, you get out of college and you're so afraid of letting down the expectations that you could be anything, that you're afraid to actually step in a direction. So these kids are literally paralyzed with infinite choice and no direction. So we gave them self-esteem and we pumped them up, but we didn't give them a direction and we didn't make them resilient. And the world is not that easy a place to navigate, as you know and I know and everyone listening knows. You do get told no, you do fail, and and that's how you learn. And we have not, this generation of kids coming out of college is not prepared for that. And on top of it, we have a really tough economy and a horrible job market, and these kids are not doing very well. Right, right. But, you know, I also, I mean, there's a bunch of things that, that you just threw, threw out there, of course, in the last 10 minutes. But, uh, <laughs> but see, that's how I get you to have me back. Um, yeah, I'm exactly. very smart like that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, um, but, you know, the thing that, that I would say is that the, all right, maybe the qualifier is be anything that you that you can be as far as that really amplifies you. And, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of different sides to oneself, but I think that I know I'm not going to be a singer. <laughs> like, exactly. You got it. You know, me either. That's not, yeah, that's not in the cards for me at all. But I do know my strong suit is in um, – holding amazing conversations with, with interesting people and introducing the world and networking. And do I have my finger on the, the exact button of what that means? No, but I keep going in that direction. So I think as far as, and somebody recently asked me, you know, how did I know I was on doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And I see it um from my own experience, and I see it when I'm when I'm mentoring younger the younger generation as well, is that I've set kind of guideposts for myself, and usually that happens in like deja vu moments where I know right. that what I'm doing is so 
core of who I am, and it just rings true, and I get bells echo off in my head, that that's my sign. And anytime I've really tried to veer off track from who I am and what works for me, I've been completely smacked in the face. I've fallen down. I've failed miserably. And you know, you kind of learn like, oh, that's not for me. So there is a trial by fire that goes on, but the ultimate thing that I see with this generation and my children is, you know, is encouraging them to go in a path that's natural for them. And, and yeah, that still can encompass it 20 million things. You know, right now with Mama's Pearls, I'm like, well, it could be a book, it could be this, it could be that. You know, it's the same thing, and, you know, the the ultimate decision of what that's going to be, I know, has to be in line with spirit and what's better for the world, um, as well as, you know, what's going to, quote, be practical. So, you know, we shall see what the next incarnation of me and this brand is and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, the same as you do when you see your child from from day one and how they are progressing and what they are naturally um, taken to. And I think as parents, you know, we have the double duty or the triple duty to be very conscious of how we're mining our own attention and where we're putting that and also have to be, you know, like the great the great coaches we're talking about last week, you have to be mindful of your individual as well as your team, and your team is your family. And you are, you are charged with guiding them and your kids and your team to finding their unique expression in a, in a way that's appropriate when whatever reality that you are currently in. If you're in the United States and in New York in a metropolitan area, that's one reality, but not necessarily shutting them off from, if they're not jiving with it, from a different state or town or whatever, you know, industry that's going to be more appropriate and cater to their needs as well as them having really something to offer. So while I get what you're saying that, you know, the, these kids have, you know, very high self-esteem and have never been told, no, you know, like anybody else, they'll, they'll learn. They'll have to learn to process and they'll find the tools and create new tools to help their generation process through that. And maybe they are, you know, a shining example to us about how to create a more positive, <laughs> a positive supportive um, web. You know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see with them. Well, we just have to help give them some direction. We have to be their yeah. coaches a little. Yeah, and, you know, and that's not easy. Being being somebody's coach, it, and I find this is this is so true with a lot of people. Like, it's much easier to help somebody else out than to get clear on yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, to really like, you know, it's a lot easier for me as an attorney for clients to help pitch their their work and get clear on their brand building. And then I look at what I'm doing and I like can't string a sentence together. <laughs> you know, it's not it's not an easy process. But luckily, there are tools out there to to help you. Oh, I think my mom's calling in. Hang on one second. Okay. We are not we're not hanging on up if mom's coming in. Hang on. Hello. Hello. Hi, Mom. Hi. Hi. Hi, Mom. Hi. Mom, I've I've been wanting you to meet Jeff forever anyway, so this is perfect. Well, yeah. (laughs) You know, I've absolutely enjoyed everything that you have been saying, Jeff. Um, Thank you. So much. Mom, you see see why I like him? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but I want to say the piece about parenting and the children uh, growing up not having direction, having self-esteem and no direction. It is a very big problem that I've seen in my practice also. And uh, I want to just add that there are so many skills as a parent that help a child find their way without telling them their way, right. but by guiding them that it's not a free-for-all of uh, you can do anything you want to do, but from the time they're toddlers and they're crawling, to help guide them, you know, one, by observing what their strengths are, what they go for, and two, guiding, supporting them, you know, adding to the environment that 
they go for what's connected to what their strengths are, such as if you see a kid very, very into um, physical manipulating with the hands, you're going to guide them to activities that they can do that. Right. You know, if you see yeah. a ch- you know a child that um, likes to sit and absorb, you're going to guide them to activities that provide that. You know, so and but in every stage, you know, in parenting, you need to do that, and especially, and, you know, and you can't expect when the kids get out of college, all of a sudden they got that. Right. It is a step by step process. You know, so. Um, but with that help of parenting, when the kid does get out of college, they have those skills that they need, and they feel, I can do anything. But they're going to be already geared in the direction that's meant for their nature. Yeah, it's, uh, we, we actually have kids showing up for interviews lately with their parents, which I've never seen in all my years of interviewing really? people. Yeah, they show up in the lobby, and you walk out to interview them, and they're sitting on the couch between their mom and dad. You're like, yeah. hello? Yeah, we we've we have an interesting generation to deal with right now. I don't I don't know, but yeah, I have high hopes. They're very creative and very smart. They just need uh, again a little direction, like you said. And and I always think that baby boomers, as they retire, will hopefully become the coaches for these kids who have enormous intelligence and creativity and just need a little guidance and direction. Yeah, well, you know, there's also the. Um very big generation gap, which happens to be the uh, computer age. Right. Which their skills are multitasking, multi-informational, instantaneous, where my generation, pre-computer, we don't have that. Yeah, not so much, Mom. (laughs) 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 And it will be, yes, as mentoring these young ones, but somehow they definitely need the skills that they have developed through the computers, but they also need how to focus, where is their attention. And that was the second piece that I thought was absolutely wonderful that you brought up. Well, thank you so much. It's a pleasure meeting you, too. Hopefully we'll meet in person one day. Yeah, one day we will. Awesome. Okay, I'm getting off, but it's been <laughs> wonderful listening and, and listening to you, Jeff. And Thank you very much. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks, Mom. Love you. Bye-bye. Yeah, exactly. So we will definitely continue our conversation about keeping kids focused, and it sounds like you know some parents need to let their kids go out of the nest a little bit more. Yeah. and be on their own and wander and stumble into the world and, um, and you know, earn their marks, so to speak. So, um, Jeff, I um, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> thank you. Thank, thank you for sharing this hour with us. We are going a little bit over, and I never let any of my guests off without asking my Come Tell Mama questions. So we are going to close out the substantive portion of Mama's Pearls, and if you have another five minutes or so, I just would like to to go through these with you. Sure. And remind everyone again, Jeff is also on um, Facebook, Jeffrey Gitterman, and his book, again, is called Beyond Success, Redefining the Meaning of Prosperity. You can find it through Jeff's website, which is www.beyondsuccessconsulting.com, or you can find it straight through Amazon. There is another title, book title of the same name. His has got a really gorgeous orange bright <laughs> cover, so you can't miss it, folks. Okay. Did you notice who the no. other author was? No. What's the other author? author? Um, one of them is John Wooden, who you were just oh, talking about before. Yeah, that's right. I did see that. Yep. Yeah, I thought it was funny yep. that you were speaking to him at, about him at the beginning of the show. Exactly. I, see, I string everything together. Again, <laughs> <laughs> a perfectly beautiful strand of pearls. <laughs> okay, so come tell Mama, Jeff, what is your luxury indulgence? My luxury indulgence? It's definitely traveling. Um, I, I go away a lot. I, I have nine people living in my house on most weekends, and, and my wife and I go on vacation a lot, so that's definitely my, my luxury 
and and mostly Caribbean. So put me on a beach for a week, and and that's my luxury. Happy, yep. yeah. You do you do have a very bustling household and office world and life. And next time we can talk a little bit more about your own personal experience with the work life balance. <laughs> sure. I don't know how you do it and maintain your calm and composure. Okay, next question. Which of the following would you choose? The best sex of your life the best meal of your life or the best sleep of your life? Well, best sex. Yeah, figures. Okay. <laughs> what is your favorite movie genre? Um, Action. I, I love action movies. I'm so mellow and calm that I like to go to the movies and have someone else run around for me. That's really funny. So you live vicariously through, you know, right. our action heroes. Okay. Definitely. With food, do you prefer sweet or salty? Uh, salty, definitely. Hmm. Yeah, you know I like my sweet. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I ate shrimp. You don't remember? I ate shrimp. You ate chocolate. You don't remember that? Yeah. You want some shrimp? I'm like, no. <laughs> Take my little chocolate molten cake with my lychee martini. Thank you. Okay. Um, what do you consider your most beautiful feature? Um, my my calmness, my serenity. Yeah, really. I think it's infectious for people, and, and that helps other people calm down. Yeah, you put me to sleep. Um, <laughs> and the best, the best advice that your mama gave you? Um, don't be afraid. Just go out there and, and do it. Don't worry about what other people think, and, and be yourself and play big in the world. I love that because, you know what, like that's that's really what it is about is finding finding the courage really to go out there and not be afraid to fully amplify yourself and to just be yourself. And in whatever form that is, you know, mindful not to hurt anybody else in the process, um, but when you really are in your authenticity, a really raw, true power comes out. So, Jeff, thank you again so much for sharing this hour with us on Mama's Pearls and for sharing your wisdom and for helping people fuse the world and their spiritual concepts and also to hopefully take away and move forward on a course of um, being spiritual in all aspects of their life, including their finances. Awesome. Thank you, Mama. Thank you. And we will get back to our day jobs here. Okay. And I appreciate it again. Thank you so much, Jeff. And we no will be problem. talking to you again. All I'll right. be over for pasta on Sunday. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Bye. Okay. Bye, honey. And then, so if anybody here has missed out or want to hear Jeff's words of wisdom again or any of the past shows here on Mama's Pearls, you're welcome to search the archives at www.blogtalkradio.com slash Mama's Pearls. And you can find me again on Twitter at SinTweet, C-Y-N-T-W-E-E-T. The blog Mama's Pearls as well as M-Gems can be found at www.blogtalkradio.com mamaspearls.com you can email me at cynthia at mamaspearls.com or melissa at any time at melissa at mamaspearls.com and again thank you for spending this time with us this is cynthia of mamas pearls reminding you to enjoy your children enjoy your family say i love you and remember to always do what you love because the rest will follow if you're true to yourself Have a great week. Next week we're going to be talking to my dentist. Don't miss it. And have a wonderful Father's Day.